Amen. Going to turn to God's Word for our scripture reading. We're turning to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis and the chapter 24. Genesis, the chapter 24. We have been conducting a series of messages in the life of Abraham. And we entitled the messages, The Pathway of Faith. And we've been working our way through these chapters in Genesis. And we've already been in chapter 24. If you were with us last Lord's Day morning, we were looking into this chapter. And we want to return to it again today. And we're moving down the chapter to the verse 52. Genesis chapter 24 and the verse 52. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And their brother and their mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well Leheroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she laid it off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. 
Amen. We'll end there at the end of the chapter. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. It's the great hope that awaits every child of God that we shall see him. We shall see him by and by. We're looking together in Genesis chapter 24. If you were with us last Lord's Day morning, we entitled the message, Seeking a Bride for Isaac. Seeking a Bride for Isaac. And we're looking again, uh, really coming to the second part of this message today. But let us unite together in a word of prayer to ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his precious word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do thank thee for the scriptures of truth. We praise thee for a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. And we pray that thou wouldst be pleased, O God, to lead us and to guide us. And even in the ministry of thy word, grant that needed help from heaven, the enlightenment of God the Holy Spirit, and give us grace to exalt and to magnify our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hear and answer prayer, and abide with us now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Abraham has commanded the eldest servant of his house, whom we believe to be Eliezer, to go and to seek a wife for his son Isaac. Isaac was not to marry a Canaanite, but Isaac was to marry from his own kindred. Abraham's servant was to make that long journey over to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Nahor was Abraham's brother. And there as Eliezer comes to that very place, there outside the city was the well. And Eliezer waited by the well in the evening time, the time when the women came out to draw the water. And Eliezer will meet there with Rebekah, and she was to become the future wife of Isaac. And as we thought about Eliezer seeking a bride and seeking a wife for his master's son, we were drawing the parallel to seeking the bride for the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking about soul winning, speaking about evangelizing, and seeking to reach out to others to see them saved and won for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that every saved soul comes together to make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great bridegroom. And the last time, last Lord's Day morning, we thought about the mission of the servant. And Eliezer was that great example of one who goes forth to serve the Lord in such a fashion. The mission of the servant, it turned out to be practical service. He had to be willing to go, and he had to be willing to go to the place where uh, the Lord was leading him. It was a long journey. It wasn't an easy road, but he had that provision for the way from his master. 
And he used practical common sense when he came there to the city of Nahor. He waited by the well. The very time when the women would come out to gather the water. And it wasn't just practical service. It was prayerful service. Because we know that there at the well he began to pray. And he began to seek the Lord's face and to ask for that guidance. And we drew attention to the fact that before he had done speaking, before he had finished his prayer, the Lord had answered. And he sees Rebecca. And therefore, it was providential service. Because we could see all of this being ordered by the hand of the Lord. It was the Lord who brought Eliezer at that very time to that very spot. It was the Lord who brought Rebekah at that very time to that very spot. It was the Lord who brought them together. He brought Rebekah to Eliezer and ultimately he brought Rebekah to Isaac. And Eliezer, having considered the matter, whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not, he comes to that conclusion and he says, I, being in the way, the Lord led me. He realizes the Lord has answered his prayer. The Lord has been ordering his steps. The Lord has brought him to meet Rebekah. This is no chance meeting. This is no coincidence. This is not of the flesh. This is of the Lord. This is an answer to prayer. And therefore, when we think of Eliezer and his actions, we could see the mission of the servant. But today we move on a little further in the chapter. And we notice, secondly, the message of the servant. In this 24th chapter of Genesis... It is the eldest servant of Abraham's house who was given this particular task to go and get a wife for Isaac. But Eliezer is not named. You'll not find his name in Genesis chapter 24, but we drew your attention to Genesis chapter 15. And there it was to the verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And so he was, it would have seemed, the chief steward. And Abraham had put all things into his hand. But when it comes to chapter 24, he's just called there in verse 2, his eldest servant that ruled over all that he had. And so we believe it to be Eliezer, but Eliezer is not named. When we're thinking about the message of the servant, we see here the humility in this message. The humility. The name of the servant is not important. It's not about Eliezer. Nothing here of self-promotion by Eliezer. When Eliezer was speaking in this chapter, he never spoke about himself, but he spoke about his master. 
and he spoke about his master's son. He was just that humble servant. If you look down the chapter to the verse 34, and here he's in uh, the house of Nahor, he's in Rebekah's house, and he said there, as he's in that house, I am Abraham's servant. And that's how he viewed himself. He took that humble position of the servant. Servant to his master. No, he loved to speak about his master. They spoke about his master's person. And he spoke about his master's wealth and his possessions and of his character. He loved to speak about his master. Look at verse 35. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Eliezer, in his message, he just wanted to speak about the greatness of his master. It wasn't about him. When we're seeking to serve the Lord, that ought to be our message. That we just take that humble place, we're just servants of the Lord. It's interesting when you look into the life of Moses and how many times over Moses was referred to as the servant of the Lord. Also the psalmist David, he was given that designation as well, the servant of the Lord. And that's how we as God's people ought to see ourselves, that we want to serve the Lord and we do it with humility of heart. What an honor it is. John the Baptist and his service for the Lord, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so there's humility in the very message. But then the centrality of the message. Eliezer's message focused upon his master and in particularly the master's son. Isaac was at the very center of Eliezer's message. And you look at verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. The father has put all things into the hand of the son. Abraham gave to Isaac all that he hath. Hebrews 1 and the verse 2, it refers to the Savior, speaking there about the Son. And it says, of the Son, he hath been appointed the heir of all things. And all things have been put into the hand of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he could say, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And as we seek to serve the Lord and to spread the message of the gospel, we must see the central message is that of the Son. When Paul spoke to the Corinthians, he said to them, We preach Christ crucified. That ever has to be the central message. 
Eliezer's message concerning finding a bride, it was a bride for the son. And the son here is at the very center of his message. The work of the Holy Spirit of God would really illustrate that to us. When you think of how that work of the Spirit is described in John's Gospel in the chapter 14, my John's Gospel chapter 14 is a wonderful chapter, and I'm sure most of us would know off by heart the opening six verses of John 14, but there's so much more in John 14. And when you come down that chapter to uh, the verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to focus attention upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has been sent forth by the Father. And he has been sent in the Son's name. And what is the work of the Spirit? Well, John 15 and the verse 26 tells us. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The testimony, the message must be of the Son. The message must be of the Lord Jesus Christ and we can never deviate from that message. John 16, the Savior continues to speak about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. In verse 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. And when you can see the work of the Holy Spirit of God, it is to testify of Christ. It is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Holy Spirit of God will not speak of himself. Therefore, as the Lord's servants, we go forth with the message of the Son, the blessed Son of God, the Lord Jesus, the second person in the Godhead, and we want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message that the Spirit of God applies and applies to the hearts of individuals. The work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Son to hearts. If you're saved today, you can remember that day when the Holy Spirit of God revealed the blessed Son of God to your heart. We came to close in with God's offer of mercy. And so we can see here the message and there's humility in the message and the centrality of the message, but the opportunity in this message, this message that's all about the Son, it called for a decision concerning the Son. 
In the passage that we have read together this morning, it speaks here about Eliezer and he's in the house of Rebekah and he's speaking there with her relatives and he's pressing for a decision. And the relatives of Rebekah, they're trying to get him to defer the decision. Notice verse 55, and her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. Don't be making a decision right now. Don't be deciding about what you're going to do with the son just now. Put it off for another while. Wait another lot of days, at least ten, they said. Maybe one thinking about getting saved. Maybe shared it with a friend, with a family member, saying, The Lord has been speaking to my heart, and the Holy Spirit of God has been striving with me. I was thinking about getting saved. There are those who will tell you to put it off. The devil will want you to defer that matter. What are you going to do with the son? There's an opportunity here. There's a decision here that must be made concerning the son. And Eliezer's not going to be put off again. He presses the matter. Verse 56, And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. In the verse 58, They called Rebekah and said unto her, there's a question here. The question that's put to Rebekah, wilt thou go with this man? And how she would answer that question would determine her response concerning the son. To go with Eliezer meant that she would be accepting the son. She would be coming the bride, the wife of the son. And there's the question, wilt thou go with this man? Will you become the bride of Isaac? You have a decision to make. And that surely we can see is what salvation is. There's a question that every sinner must face. Will you go with the son? Will you accept the Son of God as your own and personal Savior? Do you remember Pilate when he was faced with that dilemma, the greatest question that you could ever face, and he faced it that day, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What shall I do? Greatest question you'll ever face. Wilt thou go with this man? The end of verse 58, Rebecca answered, and thank God she answered in the affirmative, and she said, I will go. I will go. And with all that that decision entailed, she's, she's willing to make that decision and say, I'll go. She wouldn't have understood all that it entailed. She wouldn't have known everything about the details and the future that lay before her, but she was saying, I'll go. I'll take this step of faith. Eliezer, the servant, has told me all about the son. And I'll accept him. 
Know that today there would be those who would follow the example of Rebecca. Wilt thou go with this man? You would say, I will go. I've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for sinners, his sacrificial death upon the cross for sinners, and I'll take that step. I'll come to the Savior. I'll accept him as my own and personal Savior. I will go. Is there one today in your heart? You'll say, I will go. You'll step out on the promise for the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll get under the blood. You'll know the cleansing, the forgiveness of your sin. The message of the servant. But then I want you to notice thirdly, the meeting and then ultimately the marriage with Isaac. Whenever Rebekah said, I will go, well, that meant in the first place the commencement of a journey. It meant that Rebekah would have to start out on a pilgrimage that's going to lead her to the sun. She's on a journey that will end in meeting the sun, a face-to-face meeting with the sun. Do you know what the point of salvation Whenever you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you're starting out on a journey. And you're starting out on a journey that's bound for glory. And a journey that's going to end in a face-to-face meeting with the Son of God. You were singing the words at the commencement of our service, When I started on my journey. Many said I'd faint and feel, but the Savior's ever with me, and through Christ we still prevail. Thank God for those that have commenced that journey heavenward. I am a pilgrim bound for glory. Not only the commencement of that journey, but I think about the continuation of that journey. May they have to come from the city of Nahor from Mesopotamia, and they had to travel to the land of Canaan. And that speaks to us of that journey and continuing on the journey that's going to end in the land of promise. But it was a long journey. And it wasn't an easy road, and it was a toilsome journey. Many hazards, many trials, many pitfalls along the way. What kept Rebecca going? What made her continue on that journey? Why did she not reach the point where she said, I've I've gone far enough, I'm going back? No, she had made that decision and she was determined to continue that journey. And I believe what kept her going was a desire in her heart to see the bridegroom. The desire in her heart to see the son. The desire in her heart to see Isaac. No doubt Eliezer is that wise old servant along the way. He would have been lightening the journey by telling Rebecca all about Isaac. As they journeyed there, she would learn more and more about Isaac. 
And the more that she learned about Isaac, the greater the longing and the desire within her heart that she might see him. She would have heard all about his character and about his person and about his wealth and her heart began to burn within her. She just wanted to see him. Child of God, as we journey to heaven, at times it's not an easy road. The earthly pilgrimage at times can be rough. There can be many twists and turns. There can be many pitfalls. There can be many hazards. There are burdens that can distress us. And what is it that will keep us going on and continuing by the grace of God? It's the meditation upon the Son. The blessed Son of God, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be able to grow in grace and in the knowledge, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And I believe the more we learn of him and the more we learn of his attributes and his perfections and the more we meditate upon his work, then the greater desire we will have to see him whom our soul loveth. And so we can see here that There's this journey, and she's commenced the journey, and she's continuing the journey. And one day she completes the journey, the completion of the journey. Look at verse 63. And the scene shifts here to Isaac. It says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Oh, they're nearly there. They've almost completed the journey. And it tells us that Isaac is out in the field and it's the even time. And he's there alone. And he's there to meditate. It's a good example. Take time every day. That time of devotion, that time of meditation. What would Isaac have been thinking about here? He went out into the field at the eventide and he's there to meditate, to muse, to turn things over. No doubt it would have been of the recent happenings in his life. And he would have been meditating about Moriah. You remember when he asked his father going up Mount Moriah? Oh, we have the fire and we have the wood. But where is the sacrifice? The Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. He would be meditating about the one that took his place, the ram that was caught by its horns in the thicket. And it was taken and slain. Its blood was shed. And that ram became his substitute. It took his place. It died for him. And there out in the field at even time, he would have been meditating upon that substitutionary sacrifice. I say to you, that's a good meditation. Whenever you come to get alone with the Lord, you think about the substitutionary sacrifice. You meditate upon Calvary. Jesus, keep me near the cross. 
There a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds, meditate on the sacrifice. What else had happened in Isaac's life? What else would he have been meditating upon? Not only Moriah, but there was the mourning. He had lost his mother. The mourning at the death of Sarah. See, if you compare the very last verse of her Bible reading, the very last line of it says, And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Significant that the Holy Spirit of God would insert that detail at the end of this chapter. Whenever Isaac has been out in the field and he's been meditating, no doubt he's been thinking there about his mother and about the loss of his mother. They know there are those and they could stand in the shoes of Isaac. And they could meditate there of the loss of a loved one. But maybe as he was out in the field, it wasn't only Mariah and the mourning. Maybe it was the marriage. Maybe he had learned of the business of Eliezer and why he was away on that journey. It was to get a wife for Isaac. And Isaac here, he's alone and We can draw from verse 63 that he was there before the Lord and he's bowed down before the Lord because verse 63 has the detail that he lifted up his eyes. And so when he comes to the end of his devotion and the end of his meditation, it says he lifted up his eyes and saw and behold the camels are coming. He sees the camels. Then you look at verse 64. Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And so they're both lifting up their eyes. It's all getting very romantic. They're still at a distance, but he lifts up his eyes and he sees her in the distance, and she lifts up her eyes and she sees him in the distance. And she actually asks Eliezer, who is this man? Who's this man that's out on the field that's walking towards us? And Eliezer will say, that's him. That's my master. And she gets down from off the camel and she took a veil and she covered herself. And Eliezer will report to Isaac of all that has taken place. But here, can you imagine it? Rebecca and Isaac coming together, that meeting. And Rebecca will be thinking, my, the journey there from Mesopotamia, from my homeland, it was worth it. She sees the face of the one she had heard so much about. The face of Isaac. She's completed the journey in that sense. And one day, child of God, we will complete that journey and we will see the Son. We will see our Savior. We will see him whom our soul loveth. And we can say when we see him, 
it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One look on his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So simply run the race till we see him. Looking and longing to see the sun. Verse 67, what an end to the chapter. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. There's the marriage. She became his wife and he loved her. The chapter that ends with a marriage, the meeting that ends with a marriage, and surely that speaks to us as well of that time whenever we will meet the Lord and we're looking forward to what Revelation chapter 19 tells us is the great marriage supper of the Lamb. The great marriage supper. Thank God everyone who has accepted the Son of God as their Savior will be there in that great day will be gathered there with the Savior, will be part of the bride of Christ, that great marriage supper. Maybe at this time of the year, more than other times, you could get an invitation to a wedding. And when you receive that wedding invitation, there's those little letters, RSVP. And you have to respond to that invitation that you're going to be at the wedding. And if you respond and say, yes, you'll attend, there'll be a place prepared for you there. And whenever you come to the wedding and to the reception, to that marriage supper, if you like, there's the place and your name is there. And spiritually, we apply that to you. The invitation and the gospel goes out. The invitation to the great marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, I will go. I will go. You accept the Lord as your Savior today. Thank God. There will be a place prepared for you. We'll sit down together. We'll enjoy that great marriage supper of the Lamb. May God bless his word to each of our hearts. Let's unite together in prayer. Let us seek God's face. Our Heavenly Father and our eternal God, we do praise and thank Thee for Thy precious Word. And we pray that Thou wouldst take that which has been of Thyself, and Thou wouldst apply it, O God, to the heart of each individual that is heard. And grant, O God, that Thou wouldst fulfill that promise that Thy Word shall not return unto Thee void. Abide with us, O God, this day. And even now as we leave thy house, go before us and go with us and keep us ever looking to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And now may grace, mercy and peace from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, rest, remain and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.